0: Bible, obviously, it's, it's church and that's what we do. Uh, I have a couple more verses that I want to call our attention to because I changed the last minute, so crushing it. Okay, so first it's going to be 1 Kings 19, 4 through 8, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Harab the mount of God. One last thing, we're going to read Ephesians, and then I'll be done. I won't be done for the service, I'll just be, okay. So then, putting away falsehood... Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come from our mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the holy spirit with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander and together with all malice and be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as god in christ has forgiven you therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and live in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Word of God for the people of God. Part two. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, now the real party begins. Thank you guys for having me today. Today is uh, quite a leap for me. I've been away from the church with a big C for a few months now, going on a year, and my mind grew weary of some of the negative forces in the world today, and yet I also felt as though I couldn't have time for church or God because I was too busy attempting to do something productive and good for the world. Anyone feel me on that? <laughs> right? This falls hand in hand with my losing grip on things that, which made me happy. Yes, that normal 20-something vibe, uh, the anxiety felt by most of my peers that the pressure to do something right That thing being a constant pressure. And I felt as though I needed to stop everything and focus on work or focus on money or focus on paying off debt or eating healthier or trying to do all of the things perfectly in the world because that's what normal adults do, right? So coming back directly from my hiatus and going directly to Diana and asking her if I can lead today's service was, well, let me say just a bit of a stretch for me. I felt absolutely and utterly foreign talking to this person I'd known in what seemed like a previous life. And I'm sure Diana wasn't exactly uh, confident in, in my asking. It was almost as if a different Mary was asking, one I had known previously, but had almost uh, it's almost been absent for so long. I had forgotten what she felt like. I was certain it would bring me back though to the path that God had for me. No matter how foreign that phrase seems to me now, just as we slip when we go into the gym every day, just as we took the summer off and have to go back into sports, this muscle had fallen weak in a sense. Which the irony of a leader of uh, a church service saying that is not lost to me. It's a little bit like a surgeon saying, this is my first surgery, but I got an A in all of my classes, so we're good. (laughs) So thank you to Diana and thank you to this family for allowing me to stand up here today and uh, do this thing. That vague feeling of reaching for something that once was there or reaching for something greater and not seeing it yet can be kind of exhausting. As Elijah points out in in today's text, he's burned out. He had enough. He can't do the task. He's got to stop. So what happens? He goes under this brush. He says, God, take me now. It is enough. He's burned out. Well, guess what? It turns out that that's okay. Elijah is given the gift of food and drink, and then he rests. And he rests. When we are called, whatever, whether it be from God or a boss giving an impossible deadline or a teacher giving an impossible assignment, we are allowed to do precisely what we've got to do what we can to get the job done. We may feel pushed. We may even feel like we're on the breaking point. There comes a time when we all are allowed and must rest. When we must be honest with ourselves and say, I gotta take a break. Feeling a burnout from life is a weighty thing. I struggle now, obviously, given my long introduction. Even to come back from it, many times within the past year or so, I felt as though I can't come back from it. I can't show my face in church again after this long hiatus. I felt as though if things were just like they were three years ago or maybe four years ago or any number of years ago, life would be so much better, so much simpler. I can't imagine Elijah not feeling the same way. Elijah's given this her... her, Herculean, such a big word, Herculean task by God. Surely he questions if ignorance surely and truly must be bliss sometimes. But we learn, as the story continues, that through all of that, through Elijah's wish to end it, through his rest, through his feast, and his ability to succeed, it is contrary to his prior notion of, ab- of n- unable to succeed his predecessors. So let's unload that for a second. Succeeding his predecessors, not, doing, not being the best Elijah he can be. How often do we compare ourselves with others? Uh, I don't know about y'all, I compare myself to uh, everyone all the time. I, I mean, just earlier today, I was looking at that wonderful blue polka-dotted sweater and being like, why don't I have a sweater like that? (laughs) But I believe it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I find most of my time in the darkest places, in my rooted psyche, it is because I'm comparing myself to others. That's what 20-somethings do, right? Right after college, you're supposed to have all the answers, right? That's what all of the adults look like they are doing. This notion that we must have all the right answers because everyone on Facebook seems to, we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded with ways to compare ourselves with another person. We surround, we're surrounded by more and more ways to compare ourselves. And it robs us blind every day. How can we pause that feeling? How can we truly find solace in ourselves and with others? In Paul's letter to Ephesians, I think we see a glimpse of it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, forgive one another, and live in love. It's easy to say, isn't it? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, live in love. Forgive everyone. In school we had a theater textual construction class called Aesthetics, all about ripping a play apart uh, and analyzing it to a nice neat little categorized little bubble. Some plays were easier than others. and. We then would attempt to recreate the arc of the whole piece by ripping it apart, as I said, and putting it together in an analytical sense, almost removing all emotion and art from it and boiling it down to a complete science. One aspect of analyzing play was to point out the inciting incident. Uh, What brought the climax and inevitable end to the play? What made the protagonist change its mind? What was different about that day than any other day for the characters? The inciting incident for my distance from the church, I believe, started when the community was torn apart in thirds by a disagreement. At the time, I couldn't understand how we might, in an 800-person town, be torn apart by a simple difference of opinion about whom should and should not allowed in God's house. It wasn't until I was writing this piece, however, that I realized two things. One, it's probably not a good idea to bring up something that happened years ago as we have moved on, especially since I've had a huge hiatus from the church. And two, that in that we grew stronger as a church and as a community. We grew and we learned from that and perhaps each person totally different totally differently from the other person, has learned something different. That's said different a thousand times than that. Anyway, but we grew and we learned together. However, Paul's words ring in my ears. Imitate God, live in love, and put away bitterness. Paul allows us to be angry. I mean, Christ himself has shown many times in the Bible uh, his anger. It's not about forgetting, but forgiving any acts of malice and also growing from it. Together as a community, rising up and raising each other up. To only speak in a voice that makes others better. Can you imagine that? A world where we do not gossip and we do not criticize, where we Do not judge one for uh, an opinion or a lifestyle or a race or sexual orientation or a religion. We can talk through disagreements, maybe never coming to a common ground, but always ending in an embrace and knowing that anger does not preside. In a world where we can hide behind a keyboard, that makes it sometimes difficult to comprehend. For some middle school or high schoolers, the idea of having a world without judgment or criticism is kind of difficult to comprehend. But what an amazing thing to, tr- to strive for. This week, upon relearning how to pray and relearning how to embrace God and his words, remembering why I found this life so appealing, Remember, I remember now why I love these four walls and these stained glass windows and the sum of, well, I put 12 people, but a lot more showed up than 12. So why I love these numerous people before me, why I strive for happiness and laughs and song and joy and community. Because through love, life can be so astoundingly beautiful. So long as even through difference in opinion or times of immense uncertainty, we learn to take pause, remind ourselves to take a detour if necessary and continue on the path of love and grace and life, but that at the end of the day, God's path is not... is is nothing but full of irony, bumps, turns, somersaults, some brush that you have to wipe away. But in the end of the day, it's the path that leads to happiness, love, and life.